Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. You would get your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> the Gospel according to Matthew uh, gives a lot of instruction, and all the books do, but I mean, if you was to look at the theology uh, alone within this particular book, it's, it's all about being a follower. The entire gospel according to Matthew is all about being a follower of, a follower of Jesus Christ. In chapter 18, Jesus, he, he takes a question that was asked of him that was certainly a selfish question. It had selfish motives behind it. And Jesus answered the question in a way that they would have never expected him to answer the question. Um. Because rather than him picking one, I mean, when you read through the scriptures, uh, who, was the, who was the disciple whom Jesus loved? Uh, John. That's all right. John. Now, the disciple whom Jesus loved being John, who said that? John did. So, I mean, if you ask John, who was Jesus' favorite? And if you have asked Peter or Andrew or Philip, or if you asked any of these other guys who was who was uh, who deserved to be the the right hand of of Jesus Christ, all of them, whether they would have admitted it out loud or loud or not, all of them, and and likely this was a discussion. This was likely a discussion. And the reason I say that's this: take take a look at chapter eighteen, starting with at verse one. It says at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying. Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why did all the disciples come in? And what, what, what kind of an answer were they actually looking for? Which one is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Pick one of us. Which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Um, you know what happens to kids, children, when they decide to try to assume authority they do not have? doesn't work out well for a kid does it it doesn't now read this next verse real quick and we'll kind of put these couple verses in context read with me and he called a child to himself and set him before them and said truly i say to you unless you are converted and become like children you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven now i want you to notice that there is a two-part requirement there there is an and in that verse Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that enough to be converted? Nope. It's not enough. There's a ton of people running around in this world who have been converted. In other words, there are individuals who, in their mind, it certainly made sense. And, and the within their own an individual who is saved up here, who are they actually really looking out for? 
They're looking for themselves. Because any believer who allows what, what comes in here when it comes to Christianity to actually permeate the heart, that individual, it, it causes a reaction automatically it's not like people say you must become like a child Jesus didn't just say I want you to become like a child you think he meant that when you don't get your way he wants to see you lay down face down on the floor kick your feet in your hands and scream like a banshee that's not what he means I mean that's an attribute of a kid when he says become like children he's talking about become like those individuals who are so young that they look to someone else to provide them with literally everything nothing left out a child is humble because a child knows Jameson the other day we were out to the truck it was after dark and he took off ahead of me and I'm like Jameson I've told you you are little there are coyotes running around out here he turned around and ran right back to me he still went to the truck but he stayed by me why you see the humility in, in, in a child you can't suppress that if a child genuinely gets tired or, or scared, who do they run to? They need everything. They're 100% dependent. And this is the point that Jesus is making. He's saying unless a person is converted, unless Jesus Christ comes in and takes up residence in an individual's heart, and that person then takes the next step, which is what? Huh? Say it louder dependency here's the deal do we have independence in Christ I mean that's where we get our liberty right so we have independence in other words Jesus Christ set us free now what did we do to reciprocate the love that he showed us to set us free he set us free from the things that we were shackled to that were damaging to us so a person who trusts in Jesus Christ genuinely will instantly shackle themselves once again to Jesus Christ. Do I have independence? Yes, but I forfeit it. Do I have liberty? Absolutely. All things are lawful, not all things are profitable, amen? But I forfeit it. Why? Because my liberty is not what's in focus. My liberty is not what's important. My independence isn't what's important. To Jesus Christ, what's the number one most important thing on the planet to him? So he can save the lost. The one thing he came to pour his blood for. And as long as a, a, a believer has pride in their heart, they will never yield to the work that saves because you truly got to be shackled to Jesus. Because once you're shackled to Jesus, guess what you got no choice in? You're going where he's going. Amen? If he walks into the deepest, darkest jungles in the world and you're shackled to him, guess what? You're going with him. And the truth is, every one of us have deepest, darkest jungles in our lives. And anyone who's ever experienced it can't question the fact that there is no better place to be shackled than to Jesus Christ when you're going through those difficulties. When a child's scared, they run to their parent. When a Christian is scared, they should be running to their parent. When we feel weak, we should be running to our parent, the creator. Because the truth is, when it comes to the sin that's in each and every one of our lives, how many of us can do one ounce about it? 
We can't. We rely on him for for forgiveness. We rely on him for sanctification. We rely on him for provision. We rely on him for everything. But the only way that we will rely on him for everything is if we become like a child. Grayson amazes me. He's one. He knows Papa. He's kid just loves grapes. He loves grapes. He'll eat grapes like crazy. I mean, he'll eat. He'll, I'm surprised he hasn't turned into a grape because the kid just loves grapes. And I can be getting the grapes out of the refrigerator, and this kid just screaming at me because he wants grapes. And he'll watch me pull the grapes off of the vine. He'll watch me take them over to the sink and wash them. The whole time he's screaming like crazy. Why? He wants grapes. But why is he really screaming? He wants them bad, right? Do you think he's mad at the grapes? Is he mad at the refrigerator that was holding the grapes? Or is he upset at the one that he was looking to to provide him those grapes? So he screams. Because he wants grapes. I can get mad at the kid. Just stop your screaming, you little numbskull. Or I could provide him with what it is that he's looking to me to provide him for. He's at that age now where you don't like dirty diapers. Hey, James, hey, Grayson, you want to change your diaper? That kid will grab a diaper and run straight to the room that I change him in. He can't do it himself. What is it in your life that you're doing yourself that's turning out just like a kid did it? Not a kid that, not a kid that trusts in Jesus and actually knows that he's the one that's providing these provisions but I'm talking about the little kids that just go rogue. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the truth is in, in the faith today, in the church, in the world today, we see a lot of chaos. It's not that we're necessarily creating that chaos. I mean, in some circumstances we are, but we're still living inside that chaos. And it's doing everything that it can to compete for our allegiance. All of us are on this journey where we are trying to solidify ourselves after determining whether this trip that we're on is a trip that we want to be on or is it the trip that Jesus wants us on. Be converted. Verse 4 says, Whoever then humbles himself as this child... He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, the one who answered the question, where did he go? The one that asked the question, where did he go? Bottom of the totem pole, right? That poor sucker. You know those other guys talked to him. You go ask him. You go ask him. Yeah, the one who selfishly asked if they were going to be able to sit on my right hand, just want you to know that you're going to be the last one through the gate. Verse 5 says, And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a, that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. Let me put this in a very simple hillbilly context for you. Cause a little one to stubble, stumble, you'd be better to be dead. I mean, I know people have said that kind of cliche about things in the world, but that's exactly what that's saying. If you're going to make one of his little ones, one of those little ones who believe in him, stumble, 
it would be best that you had no life in your body already. Now, I don't know, because I've personally never talked to a whole bunch of people who died yet, but I've heard physically the two most painful ways to die are fire and drowning. Now, I want you to understand, heavy millstone, they had two different sizes. There was a small millstone, weighed about 100 pounds, about this big. It was one that was turned by hand by individuals. They didn't typically grind grain with those stones. What they, what they usually did was they busted olives with them. So they would put olives in a burlap bag, they'd set them down in this trough, and then they would run this stone around them and just crush them one time. And then they would hang the bag, and as the bag would age, it would drip the oil out of the bag that was how they got oil grain was another thing entirely because oil would make pretty fast like that now grain you're not going to grind a whole lot of grain on a a grindstone this big so what they had was they had stones that were anywhere from 600 to 1000 pounds that they actually tied donkeys to and all the donkey did all day long was walked around in a big circle and he turned that stone every time he went in a circle to grind it 600 to 1,000 pounds. How long does it take the typical person to drown? Go unconscious. Under two minutes. Very few people last more than two minutes, but under two minutes. So let's, so let's, say, let's say that you've got enough air in your lungs to last you for 30 seconds. How deep can a 600-pound millstone take you in 30 seconds? What do you think hurts more? Dying from not being able to draw air into your lungs or from the pressure under the water crushing you? Which one takes you? So I say again, if we're, if we're going to be individuals who are going to run around causing those who believe in Jesus to stumble, you better be dead. Better to be dead than to, cause, than to actually do that. It's a sensitive thing. Here's the deal. If Christians don't learn how to love each other, and they don't know how to stick with loving each other, and they don't know what that if they don't learn what that looks like, then the church becomes stale. If people ever get to the point that they just want what they want and they want it their way, like Burger King then those are individuals that are ineffectual when it comes to the Christian life. It's really just something to make an individual feel good about themselves. Because if a person comes to church, listens to a message, hears about grace and mercy, and then leaves and is encouraged by that, there's nothing wrong with that. But if our lifestyle out there is not worshiping God in every word and every action that we can take, for, that we can take advantage of, then something's off. It's off. You know, if, if we as a church are going to say that we care about the people in the community, then we should be doing things that actually show that we do, that we do so. You want to know how church grows? It grows by the love of Christ, and that's the cheap answer. But expanded, it's this. You think there are people out there that don't want to be loved? You think there are people out there that don't need a good, tight hug from somebody every now and then? You think there are people out there that don't want to see a smiling face occasionally with the weeks that they may live? They want it. The trouble is they're not seeing it. Why? 
because we allow ourselves to get put in a spot trying to link a chain here if I'm not who I'm supposed to be to other believers this can affect who they are to even other believers see what I'm saying our relationship is so important and close knit or should be close knit because of the fact that Satan will always try to wiggle his way in Because by nature, we're selfish. Don't feel bad because I just stood here and said you're selfish. I am too. By nature, we're selfish. The whole deal is this. We can't just come and say, I trust in Jesus Christ, therefore everything's good. Because that's where the church has gone largely over the last 20 years. Trust in Jesus, go to church, pay your tithe, everything's good. Is that even close to, in a nutshell, true? No. There's no quota. Nobody gets to say, hey, I did this today, therefore I get to take a break, or I did this week, this this week, therefore I get to take a break. And, And here's the deal. He's not even asking people to do anything extra. Did you get that? He's not asking anybody to do anything extra. There's not any mountain to climb. There's no wall to climb. There's no ditch to dig. There is nothing there except for him saying, humble yourself, just like a child. Become dependent on me. How many dependencies do you have? Think about it. How many things do you depend on? How many dependencies do you have? Do you eat? Where do you get your food from? You dependent on whatever that place is you get your food from? What about the water you drink? You dependent on your water source? Electricity? Are you dependent? Your time. Are you dependent? Why is it that in the world, when I look around, Christians attach themselves to dependencies all across the board, but the one they have difficulty latching onto is the dependency on Christ? We depend on a lot of people and things for a lot. And I'm not saying that we don't depend on God, but I'm saying to a lot of Christians these days, He's not a friend, He's an acquaintance. And if he's an acquaintance, then of course I'm not going to take that seriously, what it is that he has to say to me. But you know what he's saying in a nutshell in those verses? Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do when you are around influencing ears. Because he put it in that context too. Have you guys seen these videos with these little kids, two-year-old running around dropping F-bombs? They think it's cute. People are proud of that. They think that it's cute because they're teaching a two-year-old how to speak every foul word in the book. Is that kid going to know any different? As a matter of fact, those things are going to be locked into his memory forever. Why? Because it made people laugh. In other words, 
A child's dependency on me should determine the level of care for them. I keep gracing. He's one. He wears me out. Why does he wear me out? Because I got to make sure he don't throw himself off the stairs. I got to make sure he doesn't climb up on the top of a table or a or a a stool and throw himself off onto the hardwood floor head for, head first. I got to make sure he don't eat dog food. I got to make sure he, that he eats when he's supposed to. That his diaper gets changed. That he gets a shower when he blows out. There's all kinds of stuff to make sure this kid get this kid gets. He's really dependent. Says everything in the world about how that kid's cared for. In other words, if you're here today and you've had a relationship with Jesus for quite some time, you know at least a minimum number of expectations that Jesus lays out for us. And we've all spent the time in our lives being a little frustrated over the fact that God's just barking a bunch of commands at us and making us do what it is that He wants to do. He just wants us to be His puppets. He wants to see the law saved. And the truth is, me and you, we're not cut out for it. Without him, without him paying the price, the penalty for our sins, without him bringing to us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, without him giving the instruction that we need to be even capable of doing these things. Are you dependent on me? Don't answer the question because I want to tell you this. If you are, I would like to do everything I can to make sure that that dependency is satisfied. You want to come to me and have me help take your fear away? I could do that. But I can't get rid of it for good. The goal is to eventually have an individual where they don't need the preacher, that go-between. Now, it's not frustrating to me. It's necessary. But when a person grows in Christ enough to go, hey, you know what? I can talk to Jesus about this. It'd be better than talking to anybody. A psychiatrist, psychologist, a preacher, a deacon, a counselor, anybody. I mean, what source do you think is the best source of leadership for us as Christians? It's Christ. It's Christ. And he says, hey, Keith, you do have some aggravating attributes about you. I'm going to take care of those. It's like, well, that's, I like those aggravating attributes. And he's like, yeah, but that's going to keep you from being as effective when you're out there sharing the gospel. Do you know that's why he don't want people to backbite? He don't want people to be greedy. He don't want people to curse. He don't want people to lie. Do you know why all those things are? It's not just a bunch of rules that he's throwing out for everybody. He He wants us to be sanctified in him where we no longer do those things so that when we go up and talk to somebody, there's credibility in the message. If I stood up here and preached you a message about Jesus Christ, but I had a testimony around this entire city that I was a liar, how much could you sit there and trust the words that I say? Can't trust a liar. The impact that we have on believers and non-believers alike is vitally important. Not only for our own relationship with Jesus Christ, but for those individuals' relationships with Jesus Christ and for those individuals to be able to continue to carry on in God's purpose and his plan. What we do matters. What we do moves people. It will either move them away from Calvary or draw them to it. 
verse 7 says woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks for it's inevitable that the stumbling blocks come but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes now we're going to get into something a little closer whoa uh, i'm sorry verse eight and if your hand or, or your foot causes you to stumble cut it off and throw it from you it's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than having two hands or two feet to be cast into eternal fire and if your eye causes you to stumble pluck it out and throw it from you it is better for you to enter life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the fiery hell see that you do not despise one of these little ones for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, misnomer. Every believer doesn't have an angel. At least there's nothing in the scripture that says that that's the case. Angels work for God. They stand and they gaze into his face until he looks at them and gives them a specific task to do. Now, does he give them specific tasks to help us as Christians along the way? Absolutely he does. The message he's speaking here is this. Do we understand just how serious our sin is? In other words, how many of you guys have got something in your life right now you're dealing with? If you don't, you should have your hand up because we've all got issues and every one of us have things that we need to be dealing with. Right? Dealing with it, dealing with these particular issues in our particular lives, those things How far should you go? If you can't control yourself, how far should you go to prevent yourself from sinning against one of God's children? Because here's what people tell me all the time. Jesus wasn't speaking literally there. He was trying to make a point. It was figurative. Was it? It wasn't figurative. Study it in the Greek. He's literally saying, we should be so distraught by how the sin in our lives can affect a young Christian that whatever may cause that offense should be removed out of the way. Can't control your lust, can't control your passion. Where's the power lie in that? Your eyes, right? How far should you go to prevent something that shouldn't be going through your mind about some little teenage boy or girl? How far should you go to prevent yourself from being allowed to pander the idea? Pluck it out. Why? Because the consequences are much worse not to. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you can't keep your hands to yourself, cut it off. Why? 
Because Jesus takes it that seriously. If anything that we do in our life is going to either prevent somebody from coming to him or drive somebody away from him, we have inevitably made ourselves crossways with the creator of the universe. Because if he comes down and saves us, and then through our words and our actions, we push people away from him, do you think that comes without consequences? And if there's one thing I can say as a preacher in this world that I've grown up in, is Christianity serious in every Christian's life? No, it's not. It's not. I had people leave this church because I've stood up here and talked about tithing before. Don't get upset. I didn't make up the word. I'm not asking for 10% of your money. Don't get mad at me. I'm not asking for 10% of your time. I'm not asking for 10% of your talents. It's not me asking for that. The question I want to leave you with is this. The things that we do in our lives right now, are they hurting, helping, or indifferent? I can't answer that question for everybody, but you can answer it. The effort, the time that you put in, is it positive? Is it negative? Or is it neutral? Because negative and neutral people, they hinder Christian growth. They become an inaccurate example. They become something that other individuals mimic. Is that a stomach block? That is exactly what a stomach block is. I don't watch movies with cuss words in it when the kids are over. Hard to watch any movie anymore without a cuss word in it. But I won't watch it. My grandkids are over. Why? I don't want them saying those words. I don't want them thinking using those words as normal, common English language. So I'm going to put it on. See how that works? To put it on will harm my grandkids. So let's do what we need to to not harm my grandkids. It's no different with you, with me, with anyone else. The trick is, you stay insane enough to do that while everybody's hurting you. Doing everything you can to try to remove stomach blocks while, while there's a, a, quite a few people that are throwing them in front of you. But that's life. Because we live in a fallen world and all of us have the capabilities of being exactly what we were created to be. But we also have the capabilities to be exactly what Jesus Christ wants us to be. Because we were created to be fallen. We live now to be found. Through the relationship that we have with Christ, all things are possible. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. Nothing's unimportant. The big and the small things all matter. And when it comes down to it, and we all take our last breath, and all of us stand before an awesome and holy God, what in this life's going to matter? What did you do with my son? That's all that's going to matter probably the only question he'll ask you.
What did you do in all of those years of your life? What did you do with my son? Did you put him on the back shelf? Pull him out once in a while like the raincoat God? Hard times in life, pull him out, put him on. Hard time passes, take the raincoat off, put it back up, hang it up. You know what I'm talking about, the raincoat God. How many of you guys have ever promised him? God, you see me through this one more thing, and I promise you'll have my dedication. He sees them through. What's the response? See you next time. How important is a covenant to God? Let me explain to you just how important it is. Will he break his? Then why do we find it so easy to break ours? Did you not make a covenant with him on the day you trusted in him? That he now owns your life? How much does he own your life? The creator of the universe. We're trying to ending give him. We will break a promise to him in a heartbeat. But so help me God if he breaks the promise he made to you. Why do we believe that standard? Because life's hard and it's getting harder. I, the other day I was thinking, man, I'm 50 years old. And I was like, how 50 years old? <laughs> People say, better be over the hills and under it. Um, we'll talk about that. It's coming. I don't have to worry about much, hopefully, maybe. I mean, I hope to be here when Jesus comes back. What kind of world is he going to live in? Jameson. Grayson. Even Evie, the littlest one. What kind of world are they going to live in? As they grow up, and they come to an understanding of what a Christian's supposed to be. What's that going to look like? Do you think that they're going to be? Do you think that they're going to be a product of the things they're taught alone? No. Laura, those little girls are going to grow up to be like their mama, and those little boys are going to grow up to be like the little boys are going to grow up to be like his daddy. here's the deal though it doesn't have to be why because your kids have something that you two or you didn't have but if that Christianity doesn't manifest itself in the raising of kids in the compassion we have for kids and the compassion we have for people in general this is how Jesus chose for his church to work Show them who he is. Did you notice I said show them who he is? You can tell them who he is, that's fine. But what do they say about a person that talks the talk and can't walk the walk? Hypocrite. Talk the talk. Walk the walk. And don't be a hypocrite. You're going to trip when you walk the walk. 
your tongue's going to trip when you talk to talk forgiveness has already been applied you just need to glorify Jesus for it and then do your best not to make it that same mistake again I don't want my kids growing up believing that their grandpa's perfect I want them to see me make mistakes but then I want them to see me correct the mistakes apologize those things that are so hard for people to do these days the amount of stumbling blocks that we can rip out of the way just by being people who are conscientious of other people's circumstances I seriously did sit in a, a sermon one time a funeral service preacher standing up the, in the church and it's a coffin person in it lids open guy walks up and he says just a shell then that's gone The guy turned two shades of white as soon as it came out of his mouth. Why? Wasn't very sensitive, was it? He had no intention whatsoever to be insensitive to that person. But he also wasn't thinking about how the words that came out of his mouth are going to rest on the ears of the people who are in that service. You ever been standing at a funeral before talking to somebody and you say something like, yep, scared me to death. shouldn't happen it shouldn't happen if it does happen we're not paying attention I can come to you and tell you you were wrong I can come to you and tell you hey good job wasn't perfect you, you do better next time did I just say the same thing was there a difference in the two ways I said it How many people do you think are offendable? I'm not a politically correct guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about things that are politically correct. I'm talking about things that are purposeful. There's a difference. Okay? The truth is the truth. And when Jesus tells you to lay out the truth, the, political, uh, the politically correct idea goes out the window because it, it gets just as straightforward and clean cut as it can get. But Jesus wants us handling other Christians with kid gloves because we don't know how little or heavy pressure is needed in order for us to push that person away from the church. They may have a relationship with Jesus their entire life, but I'll tell you what, folks, there are people in this world that have no idea how big of a tool of Satan they are for me. No idea. Because all they do is just wander around making snap decisions, saying snap things, and creating problems. Is it a huge problem? No. Highland's not going through any huge problems. But again, ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So this is a message just to remind you what Jesus Christ has done in your life, what he continues to do in your life, he has a desire to do that in everyone's life. For some odd reason, he picked us to be the individuals who would handle, who would handle that message. Is the message getting out? Hmm. Is it getting out of anything like it should be? I expect some of this to happen and we won't have any control over it. 
Because the Bible's clear that people become completely severed when it comes to their conscience. There are individuals who, I mean, we're seeing it already now. Right's wrong, wrong's right. Believe the science, accept the biology. I don't get it. The world's telling our kids and telling us all kinds of things and it's telling every person we come across out, out there all kinds of things and if people continue to drink the sewer water will the clean water even taste clean by the time they get to it because there's plenty of people out there ser serving sewer water they're getting loads of it every day but how many of them are getting the, the antidote how many are we getting the other side of the story As I close today, I really just want you to be mindful of this. Everything that we as Christians do should be driven by Christ and not by gain. And by not by gain, I mean we don't want the title, we don't want the prestige, we don't want the authority. We don't want anything that comes out of this that does not belong to us. We want Jesus to keep what Jesus keeps, and we want us to accept the responsibility around that. Because to be selfless is to make you do things that you won't want to do. I mean, isn't selfishness having it your way? Isn't that the definition? And by nature, if we're all selfish, just how easy is it to be selfless? It's not. It takes work. It takes effort. But what kind of a person gets to go into the kingdom of heaven? The one who becomes like a little child and finds his dependency 100% in Christ. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, just know that that door is always open. And don't come up here because I tell you that you can. The Holy, make sure the Holy Spirit's what's moving you. And you, you, what's that mean? You'll know what that means. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll know exactly what that means. It'll be something you've never experienced before in your life. It'll terrify you. Your temptation is going to be to grab the back of that pew and squeeze. Let go. Step out in the aisle. Come tell me you want to be saved. I can't save you, but I will take whatever time's necessary to, to talk to you about the one who can. I believe if <clears throat> almost everyone, if not everyone in this place, is believers today. And that just means be mindful. Be mindful of what, what does it mean when a Christian honks their horn at somebody because they made a mistake or ran a red light? What does it mean when we as individual Christians snarl at the Walmart teller because she made a mistake or something wasn't in the system correctly? Our actions have consequences. Be mindful of that and remember that Jesus Christ is who we're supposed to be representing when we're out there amongst uh, the lost as well as those who are saved. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sent His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, he came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. 
take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.